Here we go. One, two, three, four. Hey, what a way to go into an intro with a big sneeze. Hello, hello. My name is Billy Diamond. I promise you that I don't have COVID, but what I do have for you is a great new episode, and that is episode number 25 of the Branding for Entertainers podcast. And in this episode, we're going to talk to ventriloquist Landon Harvey. And I promise you, you don't want to miss this because I can guarantee you, you're going to learn a lot about virtual branding. And I think Landon speaks for himself, so he needs no introduction at all. So let's get started with this episode. Landon, you are a ventriloquist and also a master puppet builder, and you have built puppets for many pros, including the likes of Terry Fader, and the list just seems to go on and on. I mean, you've been featured in the New York Times and Mayor Ventriloquist Studios, uh, which Anybody who's a ventriloquist or knows anything about ventriloquism knows that they've been around for years, much respected company. And they actually included you as one of seven people that every ventriloquist should get to know and more importantly, follow, uh, follow on social media, of course. And you've, I just found this out recently that you opened for the legendary Dick Van Dyke at his Halloween party in Malibu, California, just this past October. That had to be kind of cool. Oh, it was such a neat experience. I keep on saying these great accolades about you, but I think it's truly spectacular because the audience needs to know just how great you truly are. And more importantly, you are so fantastic when it comes to social media. It blows my mind. And I did some stat checking and currently with YouTube, you have over 9,000 followers, which is amazing to me. And you have over 8,000 followers on Instagram. You have over 1 million followers on TikTok alone. And out of that TikTok thing, with everything that you do content-wise there, you have over 13.6 million likes. And that's that's as of January of 2022. And the amazing part is your social media presence, it just keeps on growing exponentially every single day. And the amazing part is that you're just 21 years old. But in my mind, you have the mindset of a person who has been in show business for, you know, some 40 years like myself. And I don't even think that happened by accident. So first of all, thank you so much and welcome to the Branding for Entertainers podcast. Well, thank you so much, Billy. I'm really happy to be here. So let's give people a little bit of a background. Um, you and I began working together uh, and developing your brand a couple of years ago. And, and we worked on things like your website. Uh, I helped you create a storefront. And you even had me make some merch, T-shirts, things like that, that we could put in that storefront. Mm-hmm. But we've also done many other projects over the past couple of years as well. Yeah, I think in the process of all this, people that are listening can really get something out of everything that you have to say. It blows my mind how accomplished you are at 21. Hey, thank you, Billy. I found my passion and just kind of stuck with it at a young age, and uh, I'm very fortunate to have found it. Well, I believe that not only did you find it, but you're absolutely pursuing it, and that takes some work. When you hear numbers like over 1 million followers on TikTok, that's mind-blowing. 
somebody could say, well, you know, I can go to Fiverr and I can buy followers. That's not a big deal. But you and I have talked and, and the real world and the reality is, is that you did not do that. This came about organically over time, right? Of course. So how long have you been doing the social media thing where it's like, hey, I'm putting this out here and this is how I build a following? Yeah, you know, uh, as a kid in middle school, I had an Instagram account where I just posted, you know, photos of me in school plays and, you know, whatever. But the real thing that got me hooked on social media was TikTok. And that was back in 2019. And I started growing my following on TikTok. I was, I think I got anywhere from like 10 to 20,000 followers overnight. Oh, come on. No way. Yeah, it was, it was insane. I remember leaving class to go to, uh, to pretend to go to the bathroom to then check my analytics and my stats. Cause this was back in 2019. There were, you know, barely anyone was on TikTok, And so I had just posted videos of me and my, my puppets doing jokes and it had skyrocketed and it was just so crazy. I, I remember how I had like 500,000 followers in, in no time. Um, but it's, it's really been such a journey since then. And from, realizing my success on TikTok, people were asking me for longer form of content. So I created a YouTube channel and then I started doing, you know, my podcast Land and Live, where I interviewed, you know, ventriloquists and performers that I've always looked up to. And it's just kind of really grown from there. Let's back up for a second for TikTok. Here's the thing. And I always talk about your visual, your verbal, and here, I'm giving air quotes here as I speak into the microphone. <laughs> your your virtual brand. And your virtual brand is so important. That encompasses anything that has an online presence. So it could be your website. It could be social media as a whole. So that's what I mean when I say your virtual branding. You've done that. You continue to do that. And I think a lot of listeners would like to be really just as successful as you have been and continue to be and continue to grow. You know, in branding, the visual and the verbal side of it, there are rules to follow. Sure. Things shift to some degree, but they do not shift as near as fast as it does in the virtual world, especially when we're talking about social media. And I'm sure that you've experienced that over the years. And with that being said, at TikTok, if we go back a few years, it had kind of a different vibe to it, didn't it? I mean, I wasn't a TikToker back then. Um, I'm still not really a TikToker now, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Maybe that's something that you can even help me get up to speed with, as well as my listeners. That would be great because obviously you've proven you can build a following. What did it look like when you started TikTok? Was it a whole different format than it is now? I actually was in community college. It was back in 2019. It was my first year of community college and I was walking to class and I thought, you know, it, would, it had been a few years after uh, the app Musical.ly, which was, uh, you know, you could share people's music and lip sync to it and dance had, had kind of switched into what was now known as TikTok. And I thought, well, you know, it seems like that app is getting traction. I don't know if there's another ventriloquist on there, but what if I got on there and tried out jokes that I'd written? Because up to that point, I really wasn't doing enough shows where I could try out the number of jokes and new material that I wanted to, especially if I wanted to introduce a new puppet character. And that's what kind of introduced me into the app. Gotcha. And that, that's just, you know, that's a really good idea. I mean, it's different than live show, right? 
Sure. You're in front of a camera, right? Mm-hmm. You're broadcasting that, whether that's live or recorded, whatever. And I guess the same applies, whether that's TikTok, YouTube, whatever. I mean, you're putting content out there that maybe you're trying, but isn't necessarily where it needs to be just yet. Now, I know this just from knowing you for a few years that you're really, really good at improv stuff. It's amazing to me how you interact with people. And it's just like a live show, even though you're even though it's a recording or they're coming back to and watching later. It's neat because in that moment, it's no different than a live show. You have to be very witty and very just that you have to be witty and what your response will be and how you'll act. Because you don't know these people, and it's not any different than a live viewing audience. Mm-hmm. You can look at them and kind of prejudge them and think, oh, this, I think this person might work. But am I correct? Am, am, is my assessment of that right when it comes to social media and being on TikTok and, and live in front of people and interacting that way? Is that, is that fair? Yeah, you're, you're talking about my TikTok live streams? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it is interesting. Uh, it, it's so strange putting on a show for, I remember I would go in front of my mirror and practice and now I just hop on a TikTok live stream. But yeah, you occasionally you have people that want to guest or be part of your videos. And that's where most of my uh, improv and uh, takes place. And then I repost that and the the highlights from that, that is what Billy's referring to. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been a really neat way to grow and to grow the characters in the way that these different puppet characters would respond to people. Uh, because people that tune into my live streams, they gr- usually gravitate toward a certain puppet that I have and getting to see that puppet, not just along with me and doing like maybe a stock routine or a new joke, react to someone else that's new, that has no idea that I'm a ventriloquist at all, is a really magical thing for my viewers. That's pretty cool. With the numbers being what they are on TikTok, is TikTok your favorite? And then furthermore, how do you decide which platform you'll use for what different things? Is there like a formula that you've used where you're like, this works? And not only does it work for me, but I know this would work for other entertainers. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. It's like what you said earlier, right? It's always changing. You know, even TikTok's algorithm and the way that, you know, I remember I would post a, I could post a, a video of me and a, a puppet making fun of me for messing up the the setup to a joke and it would hit 10,000K. And now it's, I have to be more uh strategic with the content that I make. And sometimes I just make content to have it out there on TikTok. And sometimes I actually plan and go out and spend a day filming three videos. And throughout the next few weeks, I post those um, kind of in accordance with some of my other videos. But TikTok would has to be my favorite platform because it's brought me the most opportunities uh, just you know to meet new people, other really like-minded creators. The whole app, whether you're commenting or you're following a friend on there feels like an inside joke. And if you're on TikTok for a month and you're looking through it, you'll know exactly what I mean by that. And it's just a really neat opportunity. But in terms of like what content I'm posting where, uh, I heard someone once say, you know, don't just share your TikToks to Instagram and YouTube. You want to make each different social media platform you're on something different 
which will incentivize your followers to follow you elsewhere. So my YouTube stuff is longer form content. I share some in-depth puppet building tips. I share my podcast. My Instagram is more about my personal life, some behind the scenes photos. And, uh, you know, I'm always answering direct messages on there from fans, which is always neat because they don't expect me to answer. And I love providing that to them. So I like to provide different value on all my social media platforms. I've also got a Facebook page and I've got some, some series on there. I got a series called Land On and On and On, which is like a a food and travel show with me and my puppets. And that's something I kind of work on on the side. And just it's just an amalgamation of content, but it's strategically placed all over. So with that being said, so the Land and On and On and On with Facebook, Uh how do you know that is being successful? Or would you ever take that and say, you know what, maybe it's not being successful on Facebook. I think I need to try it over on TikTok or elsewhere. Have you had to kind of shift and change some of those things? Or in other words, was was it initially just kind of guesswork to say, you know what, I think this will play well here based off of this? Did you put a lot of thought into that? Or was it just, let's put this content here and we'll try this here and see what sticks? You know, it's kind of both. I When I got on TikTok and started growing my following, I thought that a lot of the people that followed me were around my age or younger. And I realized that, you know, looking back at it, I've got families and teenagers and adults that tune into my live stream. So, and that follow me on other platforms. So the, the reason to follow me on other platforms varies for different people, but the content that I put out there, you know, I figure that people that follow me on Facebook are generally older. So they'll enjoy like travel shows and and food and new sites and that type of thing, which is why I put the land on and on and on show on my Facebook page. Whereas, you know, I might put Mervin moments, which is, you know, a, a setup and a punch with my old man puppet Mervin on TikTok versus on YouTube, where I'm creating my morning show, Good Morning with Bill the Zombie, which is more of an eight minute episode type show. That is fast paced. It could be for kids. It could be for uh, families. It's kind of got that level of humor where it's it can kind of apply to anyone and everyone can enjoy it. Gotcha. This is what I got out of what you just said is and also knowing the demographics of your audience as an entertainer. Of course. And knowing what platform that would fit with. You're 100% right. So doing a little bit of research. In other words, so you really did not just throw stuff to the wall and see what sticks. You actually knew going in to say, this audience would work well with this character or whatever. So a magician could do the same thing and knowing who his target audience would be, right? Of course. I think it's amazing that you said initially you thought on TikTok that your audience would be kids your age do you know what those percentages look like these days as far as who follows you even on like tiktok is it kids your age is it a whole different demographic i know i checked my analytics recently and i know it it told me that i had almost 50 50 male and female followers which i thought that was pretty neat um i make content it appeals to me and i think it's funny enough to put out there but i never really directly think about the people seeing it unless it's like a certain joke targeted toward a certain age or an innuendo or more of a silly like act out with the puppet for a kid so it just kind of varies i'm looking here on my phone here yeah i have 50 percent male 49 percent female it doesn't show exactly the age breakdown but uh, i have 64 percent of my fans are based in the u.s so that's pretty neat that's cool 
I think this is the most important question that I can ask you for my listeners or on their behalf. Why social media? Why do we need virtual branding? Obviously, you could spend your days doing other things like working on your show, doing shows. But I ask you, so why? What's the why in this whole thing that we call virtual branding? You know, if you're a performer, I think the biggest thing you want to do is provide a show that people enjoy and that people don't forget. But having an online presence, people are able to tune in to you and see you on a regular basis. And then if you're back in their town again, if you're touring or if you've got a show, then you can promote it there and they can come back out and see you. So it allows you to stay connected with fans. It allows you to test different things, whether you're a magician, whether you're a ventriloquist or any type of performer. And it allows you to see what's current. And, you know, whether, you know, if you're a stand up comedian, being on TikTok is great because you understand the pulse of comedy, of sketch comedy, of, you know, what's, what's trending, what's going viral. There's a lot of different reasons to have an online presence. But in, in terms of why am I on everything today? I want to be relevant and I want to have a documentation of my work from 20 years old to when I retire many, 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 many years from now. That's a very different perspective because I can tell you most assuredly, and I don't think I'm wrong about this just because I've been in magic for so long. I think most magicians would say, my goal to be on social media is to sell my show. You're doing it wrong. (laughs) I love the fact that that is not even any bit of your goal that you said. You said it's the document from where I'm at and where I, you know, tend to be. But that's the problem, though, right? Because like, if you're a magician and you get on there, your thing is every post I'm going to be promoting my tickets and everything. It will seem it seems too salesy and it seems forced. And people people want to find out more about you because we're all humans and we've all got different lives. And it's crazy you're on the street and you're passing people that have lived these you know amazing lives that you'll never even hear about. So to see to follow someone that you saw live or that you want to see live and then to see what they're up to, it, it makes it a lot more personable. I agree with that 100%. I think, you know, it goes back to branding 101, basically, and that's let people into your lives. Let them see the background behind you, aside from your talent and what you do. Sure. Just because we do what we do, whether you're a magician, ventriloquist, whatever, that doesn't define us. I mean, it's what we do, but it doesn't necessarily define us. So what I like is the fact that you are leaving people behind the scenes because I'm assuming that you're not using your characters in everything, or, may, or maybe you are, but you're, you're creating this window. You're opening the window to say, this is the behind the scenes, what the audience doesn't normally see. And therefore, the viewing audience makes this personal connection with you. And I would be willing to bet that's why you have currently, again, let me just say over 1 million TikTok fans. It wasn't because Landon is this good, handsome-looking guy. Right. Although all of that is true. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure that's true. But there's a special connection there that you've made, I guess is what I'm trying to say, right? Of course. Exactly. Let me ask you this, and that is, did you ever expect in a million years that you would become a virtual brand and become successful so much as a social media, what the term that we dub now today is a social media influencer. And you're that, I mean, it's, that's amazing. You know, 
I didn't. I didn't ever expect it to happen. I just kind of fell into it, and it, I've been very fortunate for the entire journey that I've been in, and and I'm still a part of. Uh, the people in the ventriloquist community call me the not the virtual ventriloquist, but the you know they say you know it's the he's the online ventriloquist. And I had a friend of mine that said I'm annoyingly everywhere, which made me made me giggle. But uh, I just try to you know post everywhere and and uh, share my comedy, and it's been a great gauge to see. Am I funny? Is this, is this, am I on the right track with this idea? Should I run with it? Is it something that every entertainer can do? No. I think that you have to be, have a passion for it. You have to have a passion for performing and a passion for wanting to grow your brand. I know comedians and performers that will, you know, pay someone else to do it. And that's, a viable option. You can post clips from your show or, you know, updates and just have a TikTok account and do that. But if you really want to grow a connection with your audience, you have to be the one that takes the phone, that does the hashtags, that responds to the comments. You have to be the one that does all the dirty work to really grow. Gotcha. And I'm going to throw this out there because I don't think he would mind. He's a friend of ours. Okay. And, and you've really helped him grow um, I don't know how much as far as social media, but I can at least say with TikTok, that platform, and that is a ventriloquist that uh, we both know, and that is Joe Gandelman out of California. Love Joe. And Joe's an older guy. He's older than I am. Mm-hmm. It could be daunting when we talk about social media, regardless of who you are. It's like, well, to do this, I mean, I don't know. I got this going on and this going on. But uh, Joe is somebody who who was really – He's taken the time and he's heed your call of what you've said where it's like, hey, Joe, if you just do this, if you stay consistent, you do this. And I think it is just like branding and marketing. It's about consistency, consistency, consistency. Can you, can you speak to that and how you help Joe? And here again, I kind of set it up with the fact that he's a lot older. He's not in the grave. <laughs> he's been very successful. You, you just kind of threw him out there and said, do this. And I don't know what his numbers look like today as far as followers, but. I think he can also, for my generation anyway, can be a real influence, or not an influence. He could be a, an inspiration is what I'm trying to say. Of course. Can you talk to that, how you helped Joe in that process? You know, I think it was back when Joe was telling me that he wanted to do more on Instagram. And I had realized that my TikTok following had grown sufficiently. And I recommended he join TikTok. And I said, you'll find that you can try out new jokes and people will gravitate towards certain characters. And he did exactly that. And, you know, he posted multiple times a week and he followed my advice. And I believe he's at over uh, 11,000 followers, which is, you know, fantastic. And that's only been within, I'm just trying to remember when he got on there. Was it, has it been maybe a year or two years or? I would say it's been a year. It hasn't been a long time that he's been on the app, but he started doing live streams and he's made money. There's a way to make money from TikTok live streams and also engage in a new way with your audience through that. So it's neat to be able to advise him on joining TikTok and then also kind of compare notes with what he's finding through his journey on the app. So what I'm actually hearing you say is there's really no one size fits all and there's a multitude of things that you can do with it. Is Am I understanding that right? Yeah, I think so. Could you maybe give us an example of how that might play out? If you follow magicians on TikTok, there's a lot of magicians that are just magicians on TikTok to get views and don't really do live shows. So it's kind of funny in the same that you have people that are professional 
magicians worldwide that are new to TikTok. I recommend that they study what are these viral magician kids doing that you can take an aspect of that and implement it into your own video, whether it be a hook or a certain visual aspect or you know, anything along those lines. I think there's just so much to unpack and we're just kind of getting started, but I really did want to give listeners a, a good basis with where you're at and what you're doing. You know, listen, sometimes these, uh, sometimes these episodes I do and interviews that I do with people, I glean so much. It's, you know, I feel like I'm in a master class mm-hmm. and I just think that's beautiful when we, when we can share what we know with other people, you know, I know that I've been able to help you and in turn, you're helping me and you're helping other people. And I just think that's fantastic when it doesn't have to be about money. It's just about, listen, let me share with you what I know. Because I think there are a lot of entertainers out there that feel discouraged. They just feel like, you know, I'm never going to get to my next step. And that's even the goal for this podcast. And, you know, I think that's probably something for you too, where it's like, you know, listen, I learned this. I don't mind sharing this with people. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think a lot of listeners would like to learn how to be successful and learn how to grow just like you. So I think it's going to be something that we should pursue and talk about a little bit more. And I'd like to have you on on a regular basis where you talk about virtual branding. I think that's a great idea. I think we both have a lot to offer. Well, thank you very much. That's really kind of you to say, and I would absolutely look forward to that. I really appreciate your time, and we will make this an ongoing thing. Awesome. I look forward to being part of it. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us on this particular episode. And uh, it, it means a lot to me and I know it will mean a lot to listeners. So thank you very much, Lennon. You're welcome. Thanks, Billy. Hey, 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 that's a wrap on this episode of the Branding for Entertainers podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And I also would love for you to stay tuned where we talk with Landon every week about virtual branding. But I also want you to come back because our next episode is going to be with visual comedian and actor Mark Gingdick. And Mark is fantastic because not only is he a clown, visual comedian, and actor, but he really brings some stuff to the table because he is a seasoned performer who has performed with Circus Olay. And let me tell you, you don't just get into that by accident. Okay, so you have to stay tuned for that. And I would love to have you as a regular listener on the Branding for Entertainers podcast. So be sure to tell your friends, help spread the word, because I want you to be successful as an entertainer. And until next time, my name is Billy Diamond. The Branding for Entertainers podcast is produced by me, Billy Diamond, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. All guests on this podcast have agreed to be a part of it and its recordings. Copyright 2022. All rights reserved.